What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm gonna tell you, it's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when the time you spend doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish boss tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, highly tested and targeted formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself, where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following and millions of copies sold. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery of not knowing who's reading your books and losing 50 to 70% of your hard-earned money that you're making through sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readership. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Chances are... If you listen to this podcast, you are already in the thick of the bug. You got bit and you want to see your books reach millions of readers because that's who I'm talking to. And that's who I've been talking to for the last couple of years. People who really want to see their novels reach a vast audience. This is TRBM a podcast for authors who are serious about earning a full-time living selling books to readers. I'm the host, Jody J. Sperling, and each episode, I'll share with you practical tips on marketing and selling your books. And I won't hold anything back. Sometimes I fail. Every time I do, you'll know it. Sometimes I succeed. And when I do, I'll give you my step-by-step replay so you can succeed too. Thanks for listening. And chances are, if you're still listening to this podcast, you're still working through some of the struggles and the challenges of being a best-selling author. It can be a long road. I'm not a best-selling author. I'm not anywhere close to the kind of reach that I believe I can have and that I started this journey to find. But I'm growing in the process daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, to look back at where I was when I first published my very first book on Amazon to now, the growth is amazing. Most people at this point would be jealous of where I'm at in my author career. And you might feel the same way about yours. You may look at the number of books you've sold, the number of reviews you have, the amount of money you've made and think, wow, this is amazing. And if you're like me, you've probably noticed that you go in spurts where things are easy and light and the work comes freely to you. You write a lot, you publish a lot, you market a lot, and it just feels like the lightest thing in the world. And other times 
it's difficult to put a single word to the manuscript. It's difficult to spend a single dollar advertising or come up with a reel to put on Instagram to market yourself. I think all of this is fairly normal, but this morning I was on my dog walk and I realized that there is something that's happening to us that may be holding us back from everything that we want for ourselves. As always, the answer is 100% inside of you. If you want to see the kind of results that you know you're destined for, then you have to figure out a way to endure whether you can fix this problem or you have to succeed and strive in spite of this issue. But I also had this strong sense, this strong belief that now is the right time for this message and that I wanted you to hear this message and I wanted you to consider how it fits into your world. It's such a big deal for me that I'm replacing the typical Wednesday interview with this message and I'll knock the interview to next Monday after Thanksgiving. Have you ever gotten really excited about something that you've done, gotten really excited about a new idea that you have? Have you ever been so pumped up because what you're about to do is is world-changing big? You got a novel idea that was bigger than you could contain. And you saw the whole thing in one fell swoop, just came in like lightning and the whole book front to back was right there in your brain. And you started working on it and you were so excited, you couldn't even contain yourself. And you told your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your best friend. You told that person, whoever that person is for you, that is the person you tell the big things to expecting shared excitement and enthusiasm only to get the person to say, that's that's cool. But have you ever thought about, or wow, that's amazing. Do you mind if I just play the devil's advocate for just a second? There's a lot of ways that this phrase can come out, but the devil's advocate is the enemy of everything you want to do. And so today I want to talk to you about what happens when somebody advocates for the devil. You see the devil, the devil's not a good person, thing, entity, spirit. The devil is a dangerous son of a gun. The devil, the devil is the one who wants to destroy you. There's no mythology. There's no religion. There's no spiritual tradition. There is no anything where anybody ever says that the devil does anything good. The devil is not good. The closest the devil gets to be good is uh, a trickster in Native American culture. And even then, the trickster is funny and entertaining, but the trickster is out to harm everybody, but the trickster is self. That is the devil. I don't know where the phrase came from. I did a little bit of research. I have an idea for for something that maybe I want to write and like flesh out a little bit more fully than just a podcast episode. But What I do know is that everywhere you find the devil, the devil is bad. And so the idea of being the devil's advocate seems crazy to me. The idea of being the devil's advocate, as far as I can tell, is to embrace speaking on behalf of evil spirit. Okay, so what is an advocate? Someone who speaks on behalf of someone else, someone who represents someone and who is that someone? In this case, the plural, no, 
the possessive, yes, devils, possessive, the devils, not multiple devils, but the devil's advocate. I'm going to be the devil's advocate. That's not good. You are going to speak on behalf of an evil spirit to try to tamp down somebody else's enthusiasm, to try to temper someone's excitement, to try to rein in somebody's belief and dreams. I just want to be the devil's advocate. Have you ever thought about this before? Have you ever have you ever considered this? I just I want to make sure you've thought about all of the different implications here. Oh man. Oh, I'm going to represent the enemy. Some people call it the voice of reason. That's an interesting one. I want to be the voice of reason right now because what you just said is unreasonable. What you just said is unreasonable. So I'm going to go ahead and just be the voice of reason and let you know this is why your idea sucks and you should probably just abandon it. It's not It's not about like changing it or making it better. It's not adding to it at this point. It's just your idea sucks. Get out. Okay. I'm Mark Cuban here. I've listened to your pitch. I see no enthusiasm. Count me out. The devil's advocate is the destroyer of your good ideas. So if you've got somebody in your family right now who loves to take up that role, I bet you know who it is. I bet you can name the person right now. And one thing I want to do at this moment is to remind you that you cannot blame your outcomes on anyone else, but you are more than welcome to make them aware of this point of view and say, hey, you know, when you say you want to be the devil's advocate, who are you advocating for? Are you advocating for me right now? Are you advocating for the devil? (laughs) Are you advocating for an evil spirit? Are you advocating for the destroyer? Because if you want to be my advocate, then what are you going to do? And so let's go ahead and dive into this idea of advocating even more. When you commit a crime that is going to require you to go to jail, who do you get to represent you? A lawyer. Now, lawyers are legally bound, at least in the United States, and I think pretty much across the rest of the world, to advocate for their client regardless of blame or guilt. And so there are cases like I can think of with OJ Simpson, for example, where his lawyers were so good that it was obvious to pretty much all of us that he had committed the crime for which he was accused, but his lawyers did such a good job making sure the jury was selected, making sure that the witnesses were thrown out who weren't acceptable, that the evidence that would make it look dangerous was not tampered with because I'm not talking about illegal. They just did a dang good job of getting their client, Mr. OJ Simpson off the hook for murder. That advocate helped OJ Simpson walk free. Wouldn't you love an advocate who advocated for you? Okay. For you, for me, for us. Wouldn't you love an advocate who was like, oh, wow, I know what you want to do. And I am here to see that it is going to get done no matter what. All right. All evidence points toward this is a shitty situation. Pardon my French, but we can do this because I will advocate for you. I'm going to be your advocate, not the devil's. So the next time you come up with an idea that you love, whether it's a book you wrote or a marketing plan that you have or a sales strategy that you're hoping to do, 
It may sound crazy on the surface. You may even know that it feels a little crazy that you don't have all of the pinpoints all like put down on your map from here to success, but you know that the idea itself is a good idea. What you don't need at that moment is the devil's advocate. You're not going to court and the court is public opinion to have somebody tell you why you're stupid, why you've done something wrong, why you've messed up. You're going to court with the hopes Somebody will advocate for you. You'll advocate for yourself. Somebody will advocate for you. We have lawyers for a reason. We have these people who step in to speak on our behalf, who have a very specialized set of skills. Now, that's the next piece of this conversation. I want to believe and I want to say that there is a time and there is a place where you can expect your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your son, your daughter, your dad, your mom, your grandpa, whoever it is in your life who generally stands in to be like that person that you like to tell all of your dreams to. I'd like to say that there's a time when you can hold them accountable to just be your champion or your advocate. I also want to say that it should be a priority in your life to make sure you find somebody who will speak for you and that that somebody who speaks for you has a specialty to speak in such a way that they have skills you do not. Lawyers, let's go back to this analogy. Lawyers know the law. They understand the constitution, hopefully. They understand the bar. They've passed that exam. They understand how courts work, what judges are looking for, when to object, when to bring in new evidence, when to and how to ask witnesses different questions. Your lawyer is the professional voice of your cause. You need to find that person in your life. If you write novels and you want to sell a million copies, you should better find somebody who's going to advocate for you. In some cases, that's like the uh, ammo program that sponsors this podcast. Uh, I make money when you sign up for ammo because I'm an affiliate with ammo. I believe in ammo and therefore I, that's right, advocate for ammo. I tell you, it's an amazing program. And a handful of you have signed up because you heard me talk about how great it is. When you join, you have seen the amazing process that can take you from selling next to no books to selling a lot of books and in many cases, making money as an author for the first time in your career. That's a hell of an advocate, isn't it? A professional, someone who knows what they're doing and advocates for your books, puts your books in the best light, an advertisement that works, that really changes things, that makes an impact. That's an advocate. That's a good advocate. Bad advocate, the devil's advocate. Good advocate, ammo. Again, I want to say that I we can trust our family members. We can trust our wives and our husbands and our boyfriends and girlfriends, dads, moms, girlfriends, boyfriends, grandmas, dads. I'm just going to keep saying all those people over and over again, because those are the people that you think are supposed to speak on your behalf. And so they just, they just come to mind. And yet sometimes they're not the people who speak on your behalf. As much as I hope that this podcast episode can be something you share with a person in your life right now that you can say, um, Hey, Sally, Hey, Bobby, uh, you and I have had some, um, 
friction lately about my dreams. And I know that it feels dangerous to you and it feels scary when I talk about doing this thing uh, to try to promote my work. But I just want to share this episode with you because I want you to hear a different perspective maybe than you have before um, about, you know, always, always like trying to figure out if I've thought about all of the variables um, because that's what it is. And, and I, I want this episode to function that way that you can, you can share this with a loved one and that they can listen to it and think, Oh, am I the person right now who for my own reasons uh, am crushing someone else's dreams all in the name of advocating for who that's right. The devil if you're the devil's advocate, you are not the advocate of the person that you're in a loving relationship with. Insert your relationship with the person. You're not loving them if you're the devil's advocate. I know all of the objections because I live with the devil's advocate. I know the objections. I know the concerns. I know the fears. And so this is what we have uh, imposed in my family. This is how it works in my family. And I would highly encourage you to do the same thing because it will change how you relate to the people that love you and whom you love. First off, understand that anytime someone is being a devil's advocate, they are not doing it because they don't believe in you. They're doing it because they are afraid for themselves. They're doing it because they are afraid for themselves. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm going to let you sit on this. The devil's advocate in your world is advocating for the devil because they are afraid for themselves. Now we're going to go super duper deep right now into the spiritual tradition that the word devil comes from. Okay, there there are other versions of devils and tricksters in lots of different traditions, but the one where the actual word devil comes from is Judaism, Christianity, the English version most specifically. Um, so as as the Bible comes up, you have the devil appear uh, in Job by name. He's, he's a character in Job. He's a pretty scary character in Job. And who is he advocating for? Nobody. <laughs> for himself. He's advocating for himself. He is uh, He's the lawyer. He's representing himself in the court of God against Job. And he says, there's nobody in the world who likes you, God. Uh, so just want to let you know that your old buddy, Job, he only speaks well of you because you give him all kinds of good stuff. Take it all away and Job will fall apart. You can read the rest of the book if you want to, but the devil actually is in court advocating for himself. Uh, and he does a pretty darn good job. If I'm going to be honest, like at his hand, tens of people are, are murdered in an experiment. Now, let's hope that this is actually just sort of a uh, a large scale metaphor, kind of like a, a pilgrim's progress sort of thing, um, and that that God didn't decide to kill a bunch of people just to prove that Job was was a badass. Maybe I don't know. I'm really sure what I believe about all these things. It seems pretty, you know, weird to murder people to prove that a guy will be loyal. Anyway. It sucked being Job. We can all agree whether it was just a, a, a metaphor, a story, or real life. Nobody wants to be Job. Um, I will say while I'm on this topic that uh, the end of Job is really strange for me. It always has been because um, after he has proven that he is 
fairly righteous and like the the devil was wrong. The devil lost, lost that case. Um, Job's repayment is not that the people that he loved and was with are brought back to life, which we know could happen from the Lazarus situation. Um, he gets new wives. He gets new children. Uh, <laughs> like, apparently his first one sucked really bad and he secretly hated them <laughs> because why else would you get all new ones? I mean, I don't want to hit too close to home right now, but I've got my beloved podcast co-host and daily I am seeing his mortality in, in really close microscopic reality. And when he does die, I'll be there with him. Um, and then I'm not going to run out and get another cat because you can't replace the one. Maybe someday I'll have another cat, but I'm going to give it some time to grieve because grieving is respectable. You just can't replace what a loved one is. And so anyways, that's a, it's a bit of a tangent on this journey. Now I want to go back to the original devil story and the real devil's advocate. Again, devil is advocating for himself. Uh, He's in this place called the garden of Eden. I'm going to assume that there's three of you out there who don't know this story. So I will tell it in a little bit more detail uh, than I necessarily want to. But so Adam and Eve are created by God and they're wandering around having a wonderful time. They're naked. They're not ashamed. They get to eat whatever they want. They don't need meat to survive. The animals live in harmony with each other. The lions lay with the lambs. The worms eat the dirt, but the mosquitoes don't bite the people. Like there's no bloodlust whatsoever at all. It's a very happy place, this Garden of Eden. It is without sin. And then along comes the serpent, also known as Satan or the devil. And the devil talks to Eve. Let's not get into all of the different gender roles that are going on here. I'm not interested in that. I'm literally talking about this as a concept, but I'm setting up the story. The serpent talks to Eve. Uh, and and there's this tree in the garden. It's the one thing that the creator God said to Adam and Eve, you can't eat that. Even though it's a fruit, you can't eat it. Who knows why he put it there? It doesn't quite make sense to me. I don't understand it. Again, it's just a story I'm telling you, but there's a tree with a fruit. And if you eat the fruit of the tree of good and evil, which is the name of the tree, um, like we have apple trees and orange trees and then good and evil trees. Actually, there's only one of them though. So if you cut it down, there's no more good and evil tree. It's debt. Good and evil is debt. That's actually not part of the story or the Bible or anything, but just noticing, um, If you eat the fruit from the tree of good and evil, that would be bad. That's what God says. And the devil comes along advocating for himself because he likes to represent himself in court. And he's like, "Uh, this is not true. What, What God is telling you is a lie. It's a deception. If you eat that fruit, you'll understand the difference between good and evil. And God doesn't want you to understand the difference between good and evil because if you did, you would be like him. Okay, God understands the difference between good and evil. If you eat the tree, you'll be like God. And won't that be awesome to be like God? So Adam and Eve, like eat from the tree. See how I did that? I didn't blame anybody. I just said they both ate from the tree because the devil advocated it. I didn't blame a specific person. I just said that they ate from the tree because they bought into the serpent, the devil's idea that when they ate from it, that knowledge of good and evil would make them like God. For one, I wish to say that it worked. That's something I don't think that we talk about enough in terms of the the myth of it, the storiness of it is that it worked. We are like God. We are like God. We ate fruit and we understand the difference between good and evil. All of us do. You know it when you do it, you feel it. There is 
a vast disagreement between the things that are good and evil. And so sometimes we find ourselves kind of trying to boil it down to like this thing or that thing. Like we all would agree that murder is evil. I think that that's true. I think that that also neglects the deeper truth of what good and evil is. I also think we neglect the fact that in that story, prior to the moment that they partook, ate, chewed, sucked on and swallowed it, they didn't actually know the difference between good and evil. The only thing they knew was good. You could argue that uh, it was the fact that the servant came along and let him know that there was something else that made them discontent. And at the moment that they were discontent, they already knew evil because you can't be content uh, and know evil or you can't be discontent and not know evil. These are all really big questions that I personally have pondered and I hope you have too because they're important. Like how could you know that you were lacking something if there wasn't already evil present? Wah. Well, maybe there was, and you just didn't know the difference though. Okay. So that's cool. It all stands up, but you know, somehow they become aware before they even took a bite of the fruit that they were lacking something and they took a bite and that is representative of the fall and yada, yada. Then they kill animals and mosquitoes sting us and bees sting us and lions eat lambs and bears eat oats and goats eat oats and little lambs also eat ivy, but that doesn't matter because the tigers and stuff and the lions eat the lambs so it's kind of like tigers and lions eat ivy with lamb flavoring i really have gotten off topic here do you want the devil to advocate for himself do you want to advocate for the devil do you want to be the person who's responsible for uh all of the little lambs being eaten do you want to be the person who's responsible for mosquitoes do you want to advocate for the devil that devil I don't care what your spiritual tradition is. Half of the people who listen to this podcast will be offended that I'm not being Christian-y enough. Half of the people who listen to this podcast will be offended because I'm being too Christian-y. Half of the people listening to this podcast will be offended that I'm not linear enough. Half the people listening to this podcast will be offended that I, I'm too linear. Uh, you can't satisfy everybody. You just can't do it. They'll all advocate for their point of view, but I'm here to try to do something unique and different and just tell you what's on my mind that is happening. And I thought this one was particularly important. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping beyond hope that by now, as you're listening to this conversation, you are awakening to the reality that if you're not advocating for something better, then you are advocating for something worse. And there's somebody in your life right now, you know who they are. The same person who's listening, who wants to give this episode to the person who's not advocating for them, but the devil, the same person should also understand that there is someone in their life that they are not advocating for. Think that's the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's tough. I don't have a perfect solution, but like I said, that you would give this to somebody who needs to hear it and think on it uh, and understand <laughs> Because of the the very firm and non-coddling way that I've communicated this message, if you actually ask someone to listen to this, you're probably going to have a disagreement, dispute, an argument, even possibly a fight with that person. Sometimes that's okay. It's all right to fight. It's okay to have disagreements. You are putting a stake in the ground and saying, I need you now to be my advocate. I need you to be the Jody's advocate. I need you to be the Bob's advocate. I need you to be the Jane's advocate. I need you to be the John's advocate. Insert the name of you 
and share it with somebody and let them know this probably is going to bring some stuff up, but we need to work through it. And I had an epiphany that your advocating for the devil has been a challenge for me. I also need you to realize right now, and I'm talking to you, listener, I need you to realize that after sharing this, you cannot guarantee that someone is going to change. You cannot guarantee that anything is going to change after this. So you really need to focus on everything that we've talked about before, being strong in yourself, understanding your mission, your goals, what you want to achieve, knowing who you are and what things you are out to accomplish. And no matter what anybody says or who they advocate for, whom they advocate for, you are moving forward. It's going to be easier or harder depending on the people around you. You also want to go out and find an advocate who knows more than you do. That's also sometimes called a mentor, somebody who can advocate for your goals because they've been there before, been there, done that. That's what a lawyer is. I've been there. I understand the law. I've done that. I can defend. I can win a case because I know how to do it. And last but not least, you in your own life have a person whose name probably came up a moment ago, whose face appeared in your mind as an image. There's a person right now who you have doubted on, who you have advocated for the devil against, and you need, need to apologize for being a dream killer. Authors, this job is really, really hard. And if you've killed somebody else's dream, how dare you? I've killed some dreams. Right now, uh, I'm in the middle of trying to reframe my relationships with my sons because I think that I uh, am a dream killer for my sons. I think I'm so worried about their good behavior that I forget that they're children and I advocate for the devil against them. Now, this isn't as much of a literal translation, but it's something I'm right smack dab in the middle of. And I want to change the way that I am with them so that they don't grow up oppressed by the devil because I advocated for him for years and years and years. Go change the world. The book you've written, the books you've written, they have a vast audience. Find the audience. Do everything you can to work with the people in your life to make a massive difference. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll talk to you again on Monday with an interview. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?